Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. In January 2019, we launched the What Fuels You podcast, and since that time, I have had the honor of featuring and highlighting leaders and their incredible stories. Though I'm eager to continue sharing these stories with you, I want to make space for different and relevant content for this unique and challenging time. While we all navigate the COVID-19 pandemic together, on this podcast and the upcoming ones, I'll be having more focused conversations with leaders to help answer questions, get key insights, and share stories of inspiration around how they and their teams are adapting during this new reality. I hope you enjoy these episodes of the What Fuels You podcast. Today on the What Fuels You podcast, I'm joined by Dan Shapiro. He's here again. He's the CEO of Glowforge. Starting five years ago as the biggest 30-day crowdfunding campaign on record, Glowforge produces the iconic 3D laser printer. Glowforge recently announced that printer owners have created over 10 million products. When COVID-19 arrived, Dan wanted to get involved. With the help of biomedical engineers, doctors, and epidemiologists, they developed a design for the ear saver, which saves pressure and friction off the ears, reduces the risk of damage to ears and face, and makes mask sizing more flexible. Glowforge's 2 million essential ears initiative is helping create and distribute these ear savers for free to anyone wearing a mask to help keep us safe. Thank you for the work you're doing. Of course you're doing this. Welcome back, Dan. Oh, this is the mask? Okay, yes. Thanks so for let having me, see. me, Shana. Yeah, so if you have any sort of mask with ear loops, okay. they sit and they cover the back of your ears. Yes. Which, after days or weeks, creates pressure sores on the back. Yes. And for um, people with smaller face sizes, oftentimes the proper fitting ones aren't available, the smaller sizes, and so they don't fit. So this takes the pressure off the back of the ears because okay. you hook it onto the ear saver instead. And it just sits back there and oh, wow. that's it. Okay, and of course so, of course, you came up with this. Tell me more about this idea. How'd you come up with it? So the original idea of having these ear savers or mask extenders wasn't ours. Um, what wound up happening was, that, uh, like with so many things, it was a crazy series of coincidences. Um, and by the way, what it says there is you can order these for free at glowforge.com and we'll yeah. ship them for Oh yeah, so we're going to have this on video, but for some it's just going to be on our normal podcast. But anybody oh, yeah. who wants to see it, tell us how to find those. Yeah, if you just go to glowforge.com at the very top, there's a link to request ear savers. Or if you do have a laser, a glowforge or a laser from another company, you can make them for your community as well. Uh, and this came about, you know, these things are just so, so, so uh, random and coincidental. A professor at MIT, Dr. Martin Culpepper, mm -hmm. was using a Glowforge in his garage. He developed a design for a face shield that can be used to protect people who are wearing masks in, um, in hospitals. Oh, okay. uh, they scaled that up. So now it's being produced on the same stamping machines that are being used to make like stickers. So they can make hundreds of thousands a day from these machines. Wow. And I was talking to him and I said, what, what do people need right now? Because he's been investigating this. And he said, you know, we need tens of millions of these little simple things that take pressure off of people's ears. Here's a couple pointers to people who are working on it. So our team, we put some of our mechanical engineering staff on it. We came up with the design that prints really quickly, that's adjustable, that's sizable, that's fast to make. So Glowforge owners can make a thousand of these a day. And 
we set out to make a million of them and we're actually really close to hitting that number. And so today, we set up today's a May to, 18th. So where are you approximately right now? It's, it's a month and we are more than two thirds of the way there. We're oh, past wow, 600,000. That's amazing. And um, so you said Glowforge, you said Glowforge owners. So who are those owners? Who's yeah. your typical customer? So we are, we're making these at our factory, but we also are having um, thousands of Glowforge owners creating these. These are mostly people who are, uh, who even before the quarantine were at home, like 80% of Glowforge units are in homes. And they're about evenly divided between people who are buying them for a business that they have. It might be something like a leather crafting business or a jewelry business where they want to scale it up. Um, people who have no business goals at all, but who are buying it to teach their kids technology and how easy it is to make things or to support a hobby like woodworking. Mm -hmm. uh, or people who are kind of in the middle who are thinking, hey, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to make gifts and I'm going to make things for the family and I'm going to build furniture. But maybe I'm also going to create some income or at least help pay for or like have the unit pay for itself by selling these on Etsy or eBay. And we see all three of those in different in different proportions. I'm a little intimidated by it. I get like, ah, I'm not creative or oh, I'm not handy. How big is it? How big is the actual printer? You know, it's the size of a suitcase. Um, okay. I had one. What size right, suitcase? <laughs> yeah, like a, a check bag. Oh, uh, oh that's easy. One, that's not too big. Yeah, uh, I had one behind me, but my daughter decided she was going to supply an entire hospital with ear savers single-handedly. Oh. So oh I moved it upstairs. It is now sitting in our dining room on a folding card table, and she's been running it all day. And she has single-handedly supplied well over 500 ear savers. I think she's on her way That's to 1,000. That's incredible. And so how uh, do we, can we help you deliver them? Can my kids help? So uh, if, if they go to, let's see, deliver, uh, there isn't a way to just deliver. You either can request them for folks who need them or yeah. you can make them, but we don't have or just the delivery them. piece. I know. No, that's just me like friend to friend, like trying yeah. to have, do something. You know, sometimes you just feel like you want to do something. The that's cool the part thing. is that you are, you're absolutely doing something. It's like Mr. Rogers, right? When there's a crisis, you look for the helpers. You look for absolutely. people who are in there and you look for ways to help and to make a difference. Yeah. It is so gratifying to my daughter that she's able to help grown-ups at age 11. She can help grown-ups who are hurt by this disaster. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And so you started to say, well, obviously you're selling the printers so people can either buy the printers and make ear savers or whatever else they want to make for um, protecting themselves at home um, that they come up with, or they can actually buy the ear savers. Uh, just get them for free. We give them away, no questions asked to anybody who's wearing a mask to help. Okay. Well, so it's also anybody... today's thing that said that everyone's going to have to wear a mask. Yeah. So anybody from, uh, right now we're offering them, anybody from, you know, surgeons and physicians to uh, delivery folks and uh, sanitation workers, uh, anybody who's out and about, um, who's, who's not being quarantined because they're an essential worker to keep us safe. I'm sitting here at home in my basement, um, staying safe, and there are people coming up to my door several times a day, whether they're right. delivering the mail or, or whatever it might be. And they are in harm's way so that I don't need to be. And so we don't yeah. have any restrictions or qualifications. Um, it, it's everything from, uh, actually, my daughter finished helping a local um, hospital, and now she's making 300 of them for uh, Bartels Drugs. And there's That's another great amazing. example of folks who are on the front lines of being out there so that we can stay safe who are being exposed to people every day. And what an incredible lesson, right? For them to have that type of hands-on work experience, 
where they're yeah. seeing a need and, and filling it as an 11 oh, year old. And speaking of schools, can I get in a little extra plug? Yes, I want to, I want to talk about that. Uh, my kids, uh, we, we um, called on, I have uh, a lot of family who are teachers or both my parents are professors, my brother's a professor. My other brother is um, a reporter for NPR. He started teaching current events to the kids and we decided to record those and put them on YouTube. So if you go to shapiroschool.org, you'll get to see Ari, who's the host of All Things Considered, talking about current events. You also get to see Dr. Sarah Parchek teaching about how she goes, she leads 100-person expeditions into Egyptian tombs. She oh, is wow. the one who, like, she is the Indiana Jones who goes in and actually discovers uh, unseen for thousands of years uh, Egyptian ruins. We have a Grammy Award-nominated singer teaching music appreciation. You've and got your own little masterclass happening. It is, it is, but it's for kids. And for even kids. though adults like it too, uh, we've got an astronaut who's going to be talking about what it's like to uh, be a surgeon in space. And that's, that's coming up amazing. in just a couple days. That's at shapiroschool.org. That's going to be a gift. I love that. Okay, so shapiroschool.org. Exactly. S-H-A-P-I-R-O school.org. Okay, cool. Coming back to the um, ear savers, how are they being used for medical device teams? I read about that as I was prepping for today. Yeah. Uh, so what we're seeing is that they're being allocated a relatively small number of these. They generally don't fit very well. And so just using these on the back really helps them, the, these ear savers on the back of their uh, masks to hook those in helps mm -hmm. to prevent damage. We've also got designs out there for face shields. So that mm -hmm. is um, clear plastic that covers the mask. Uh, because if a patient sneezes or something like that, if the mask gets wet in any way, then it has to be discarded. So the face shields help protect the masks. Oh We've gosh. got um, a design for a cloth mask that you can print from home out of a t-shirt that's a multi-layer mask with filter inserts that fits really well. So it's, it's uh, I'll humbly say it's better than the handkerchief and two rubber bands design that the Surgeon General put on YouTube. Yeah. And you can make it out of any cloth t-shirt, any, um, sorry, any cotton t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've even got folks who are building intubation boxes, which are big acrylic boxes that the, the doctors can use when they have to intubate and put somebody on um, uh, a ventilator to keep themselves safe. It's clear plastic that they can use. So uh, wow. really, you know, this ability to create things at home. Uh, through our history, through our company's history, it's always been used for things like furniture and um, and jewelry and yeah, more fun art things. And, yeah, and and businesses. Now we're suddenly seeing it turns out if you have the equivalent of a factory in your home and you yeah. are at home, you can make things to help. Yeah. I never expected this to be the case, but well, yeah, uh, none of us. Are. I mean, so now we're three months in, I guess, ish to this thing um, when it first got kind of hit here in Seattle as a leader, obviously you've got many areas of your life where you're a leader, you're a leader in your home as a dad and you've got your whole team and I know how, how much yeah. you care deeply at your community leader. Um, what were you thinking as far as kind of how to show up as a leader in this I, I time? couldn't have been more wrong. So when it comes to, to helping with the crisis, I started out and I said, there is no way in which hospitals are going to accept homemade medical equipment. Mm -hmm. And all the people who are out there saying we're going to go make medical equipment are just, you know, being wishful, full of wish, yeah. wishful thinking, right? That's not going to help. It's going to create noise and come up the works. I had no idea it was going to get this bad. And so as things did, I started looking around saying, can we be a part of this? Is there a way that we can truly help and not just be in the way? Mm -hmm. And that was when we, when we sort, of, sort of stumbled on the ability to create these at scale um, and, uh, and got really excited about that. On the company front, it was a matter of how do we go and take care of our people? Uh, it's one of our four cultural cornerstones is take care of each other. And what does that look like in the midst of a global pandemic? Uh, the 
the closest experience I've heard of from anybody in my lifetime is my mother-in-law who lived through the London Blitz. Mm. And she was also teaching a class to the kids about World War II and about what that was like. And I don't know of anything other than that, people hunkering in their homes, afraid for their lives for weeks and months on end. Um, in fact, it looks like this may be longer than that. Uh, but uh, World War II is a metaphor. It seems like the closest one or is a comparison. And so when it came to our team, it was about how can we react as quickly as possible to the news? How can we use the best science to dictate what we do? Mm -hmm. And how can we keep people informed and up to date? So we were, I think we were one of the first startups to move to work from home. Um, <clears throat> we, we set up uh, uh, fully remote as an option and then as a recommendation and then as a requirement very quickly before the orders came down. Uh, and we've been working, doing everything we can to make the team effective since then with you know budget for setting up your home office, with changing around our, uh, some of our, our, our cultural norms and the way that we, we operate to make that mm -hmm. work better. It's tricky because some of our staff work on heavy machinery that's only present at the office. Right. And so we shifted around some of our projects to emphasize things that can get done in the state. And we're looking at what we can do to, um, when the time comes, to have people uh, who need to work in the office be able to do so safely while the rest of us uh, give them plenty of room so that they can uh, employ safe social distancing. Because if we've got yeah. an office that fits 100 and we've only got 15 people who need to be there, there's room for us all to, to take up, um, the, to space people out so that they can stay safe. Um, yeah. That's still ahead given the current orders. But that's something we're starting to think about. Starting to think about. And so how have your employees shown up for you as a leader? Uh, you know, it's amazing. It's a time um, when you get to really see people, right? I mean, just a different side. Yeah. And one of the things I'm most grateful for is that our culture has been one that's really open where people can share how they feel. And there's a lot of ways we do that. We have the mm -hmm. feels channel in Slack where people share how they're feeling. And we, by mutual agreement, don't try and fix whatever it is that's wrong. We're just there for each other and to listen. Um, I always start my one-on-one -on -one conversations with uh five minutes of what I just call feels, same idea. Uh, how are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And whenever somebody starts, uh, uh, when I have my first one-on-one, -on -one, there's often, a, I'm not really sure what to do with this, or, you know, I feel like I, like this project might not be working well. It always takes a little bit of like, no, I really mean, how are you feeling? Are you feeling yeah. happy? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling stressed? Right. Are they you go feeling... into work and you're like, no, I'm just talking to you as a human being right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've always had room for that. And what that means is that, uh, you know, we are all going through every stage of, um, of, of joy and despair, uh, all the stages of grieving, um, as well as celebrating our accomplishments and milestones all simultaneously. Mm -hmm. That's the strangest thing from an emotional standpoint about where we're at, is you'll have somebody who just lost a loved one to the disease uh, sitting there on a call with somebody who, you know, just managed to to accomplish something tremendous that they've been working on for six months. And that's always true, but it never feels more present than now. And those people have to connect and work together. Yeah. Uh, I am as fortunate and privileged as it could possibly be. I'm somewhere safe. My family is safe. We're able to um, to live relatively normal lives from home. Um, I have a job that I can do remotely. And thank goodness, although the start of the crisis looked pretty dire, we've managed to um, stabilize and even grow the business through that. Yeah, and we're in yeah I wanted shape. to ask you about that. How is the, the business doing? I know you're gifting these, um, but I'm also thinking that maybe kids are, how, how's that business like as far as parents thinking about ways that their kids can get creative or even do this like stay at home business or I know you're working with the education system to try to get them into schools. Who are the customers right now relative to who they were and why are they buying? 
Yeah, the educational conversations are still ongoing, although a lot of the near-term purchasing is on hold. And, you know, 80%, 80% of our of Glowforge units have always been a personal purchase. They've always gone into a home. And so that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the crisis first started, it was terrifying. Our sales dropped in half. And for a while, I was looking at this going, uh, do we have to cut our company to half its size in yeah. order to survive? And how could we possibly do that and keep making these incredibly complicated machines and so on and so forth? Um, that stabilized. And then as things started to- How did to, it stabilize? How did that happen? Uh, you know, it's hard to really put, a, like it's hard for us to say, oh, here's what happened here. Yeah. The best I can say is that um, our business trajectory followed a little bit of the zeitgeist. Uh, first, there was kind of denial. Everything just kept going fine. And then suddenly everything stopped and everything shut down as some of the quarantine orders started kicking in. People started st- staying at home. And we we couldn't really put our finger on what was going on. Um, and then we made some changes. We started um, our first, when it was early in the course of the disease, uh, we said, we don't want to be the ones who are saying, hey, uh, you know, because of this disease, you should do this. Or we didn't really want to acknowledge it, frankly. like. You know, if if there's a, uh, a um, if there's a big news story, we're generally not the ones to say because of this big news story, you should buy our product. It didn't didn't quite feel right. Right. And so then we sat there looking at it, going, "No, the world's really changed. People are now working from home in ways that they've never had to before. The outlook in the world has changed. And frankly, for us to ignore this now feels tone deaf and feels like we're we're not really speaking to the people who who want us to be communicating with them. So we changed a lot of our conversations around this and started being a little more authentic and talking about how like we're stuck at home. And now while we're at home, there's things that we could do that we couldn't do before. And here are some of the options to, to do that. Mm-hmm. I've also really been uh, concerned about the notion of, um, of, well, I see people out there doing what I'd call profiteering who are trying to make money out of fear and make money out of scarcity and take things that people need and make money from them and said, how can we do the opposite of that? Being of abundance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so all the designs that we've created uh, for that, that we think can help, we give away for free. Um, we, we're sharing those on our forum. We're sharing those online. We're giving away the ear savers themselves for free. We're connecting people who own Glowforge units with people who need them so they can make them and give them away for free. That's amazing. And, and, you know, our business is doing, uh, is doing well in this environment. Uh, but I think it's doing well because the, the new normal is that while we're stuck at home, we want to be able to provide for ourselves and our families and our loved ones and our friends. Being able to make things for ourselves, gift things, to be able to sell things while we're stuck here at home is powerful. And so that, that message that we've always had is starting to resonate more and we're, Absolutely. and we're, we're, we're able to communicate that better, even at the same time as this this catastrophe is is striking so many of us. Yeah. So for me, you know, going into this crisis, question number one was how do I how do I keep everybody employed? Yeah. Um, there- well, I want to talk about that because I want to talk, get into the PPP money, and I know that you uh, turned it down. But before that, you were starting to talk about like the business. Uh, first of all, the team being stable and just showing up and. Um, and a lot about feelings and transparency and all of that. Um, but you, I also know, because uh, we've done some work together, that you guys are recruiting. And so how do you attract talent right now? And how do you interview them? And how do you vet them? Do you hire people without ever having met them physically? We do. Uh, we have. Um, and we're going to continue to. Uh, we So we uh, employ... Um, 
coming up on 100 people directly. There's about 15,000 people who depend on Glowforge directly or indirectly for their livelihood. There are contractors, there are people who use it for their business, et cetera. And, uh, and maintaining that and helping people keep their jobs in this crisis has been critical. It's only recently that we've looked at it and said, we actually think we can be additive and we can bring in some people to help. We made a huge round of cuts. We took executive pay cuts. Um, we didn't have to do pay cuts for individual employees, thank goodness. Um, and we postponed major projects. Um, we shut down uh, a whole set of things that we could around the um, uh, around the office office costs. Uh, but um, but coming out of that, we looked and said, "Gosh, I think there's a few things where we can actually bring staff on board." Mm -hmm. So we are recruiting now for a whole host of different roles, yeah. um, where we think people can really make a difference for the company in the crisis. We're doing 100% remote interviews, and that's uh, video chat, um, usual phone screens, and then video chat. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now. Uh, I think all the roles that we're interviewing for, we, we've always been Seattle and office-based, and for the time being, that's not changing. We're still expecting that everybody will uh, be in Seattle and come into the office when times get a little more normal. And that's always something that, you know, in the future we're, we're looking at if, that, if that's something that's going to change. But especially at a hardware company, there's a tremendous value to being in the same place around the hardware and being mm -hmm. able to work together on physical projects. Yeah. Um, that... Uh, that um, that's made things difficult now, and we found ways to work through it. But uh, we, definitely, the consensus is uh, probably uh, most people are less effective now that they're working from home, and are and and it's a struggle to to still be able to be effective, especially for those teams that are working closely with hardware or that typically work together in small groups in person. And we're managing that, and we're doing the best we can to support people through that. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, and get people back to a place where we can all be at the same place at the same time. Yeah, we had a we had a thing that somebody told me they they um, a few people told me they wound up almost crying, uh, which was um, our customers sent us this unbelievable gift. It was a sixty sided um, uh, uh, sculpture where customers each created one of the different sides of the sculpture and everyone was different. And some were artistic engravings, what? some were intricate working gears, and some of them were flip signs that you could turn around, and some were leather and wood and everything you can imagine. And apparently our customers started working on this in February before That's this even amazing. started. And then had it delivered to my house where I live streamed to the whole company and unboxed it. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, a couple of people told me they almost broke down when I said, well, of course. And, uh, we're going to bring it back to the office and we're all going to see it together. Oh, that's incredible. Not many people have that level of impact on their customers. How do you, how do you access customers, by the way? Like, how do people find out about Glowforge that aren't listening to this podcast? <laughs> Our unofficial company motto is we have the best customers. And that Clearly. is also a big part of the answer to your question. Um, uh, about half of our customers hear about Glowforge from another customer. Oh, or so they give them a gift. I mean, remember you gave me the, um, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, coaster. And uh, then, the, yes. yeah, you, the you, you, came, you came gifting and I was like, okay, wait, how cool is this? It made <laughs> such a, I mean, it's such a memorable thing to do, right? Well, so here's your of, candle. It's one of our, our customers' favorite things is you can take something really simple and transform it as something intensely personal and wonderful as a gift. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool to have that, that creative superpower available. 
And do you have to be a techie, Dan? I'm not techie. Like how in the world would I be able to do this? No, it's, I mean, it takes about 30 minutes to set up if you have never done it before with no experience. Okay. And, um, and if you can, if you can doodle, if you can copy pictures online and paste them, it's all through a web browser. We have a, you know, how to do your first three prints that has you up and designing and printing. Absolutely guarantee that you'll be able to create like amazing jewelry and signs and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, within the first hour of using it. it, usually takes 30 minutes to hold your first finished print. And then, you know, there's incredibly complicated things. There's people who are making clocks, like fully operating clocks in furniture and so on. You won't do that in your first hour. Like it does reward people who are incredibly creative and excellent. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, I want a mouse pad. So I took an old photo that I found at the Library of Congress. Oh. and engraved it on I was just at the of Library Leather. of Congress in, in March, actually, right as this was starting. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And so this is my mouse pad. And this That's took really me about, cool. you know, 15 minutes to put together because it's just a picture in a rectangle. And then it took about half an hour to print because it's yeah. a high-resolution engraving. And now I have a mouse pad. And it's a really, really cool really mouse pad. Cool. And it means a lot to me personally because... <clears throat> I got to visit the Library of Congress 10 years ago, and I got to see this print in the Library of Congress. Yeah. And now it's my mouse pad. That's so, really cool. It's, yeah. You're going to be the tough dad to buy a Father's Day gift for. It's like, what do you get the, that guy? <laughs> Kids make me stuff. It's so great. I want to see what they make. I'm sure they're super creative on this on this stuff. So how did you know, Dan, early, um, you know, because everyone was kind of in a panic uh, about the PPP money. And when I read that you turned it down, not took it and then are going to return it, but that you just turned it down, which was early on. I mean, uh, that was a month or two ago. Um, yeah. what, le- what led to that decision? Like, how did you know that you'd be doing well enough to avoid significant layoffs? It was, I mean, we were trying to make this decision week by week and day by day. So when it first came out, I said, oh my gosh, maybe this will save employees maybe this will save some time to lay off employees because that was a point when our sales were dropping right. and everything looked like catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having run a startup through 2008 and having been in the tech sector in 2000, I'm like, okay, that's it. It's Armageddon yeah. for startups. Here we yeah. go. It's and like, this could be the end. Um, and so we immediately put in an application and, uh, and as we went through, we saw the, we saw the, the slide bottom out um, in, in our own business, and we saw ourselves starting to climb back up. And so I would regularly talk to our lawyer and say, okay, given the latest confusing stuff from SBA, do we still qualify? Like, is this something we can, we can sign for? And the lawyer kept saying, yes, yes. Um, but then I kept looking at our business and seeing it, it climb back to where it was before the crisis and started feeling more and more uneasy about it. And at this point, we'd actually been approved for the funds. And I had a DocuSign in my inbox saying, final submission to go and get the funds. And I said, okay, well, how long can I sit on this? And I got the date and I kept putting it off, like very deliberately saying, I'm gonna wait until the last possible minute. I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. And then the last day came around and I looked at this and I looked at where our business was. And it was absolutely healthy. It was as good or better than it was before uh, this started, and with sales um, having picked back up, we had enough money to, to last for um, years. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just don't feel like the things that I that that were the case when I applied for this are true anymore. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing: when as as you know, when you lead a company, you have a fiduciary obligation 
So you can be taken to court and you can personally be bankrupted if somebody says that you did not take care of your company and your shareholders. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very real possibility that if I turn these dollars down, a shareholder could come in and say, you were irresponsible in doing that. Well, I was going to ask, how did your board and investors respond? So I pulled them in pretty early and they were kind of all over the map from absolutely we should do this um, because it could help keep our company safe to uh, I think we shouldn't do this uh, because it could look bad in the media because it's not right for us because it's still vague or all sorts of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it was a long process and because we talked about it a lot, everybody was on board when I came in and said, okay, having looked at this, I don't feel with good faith that I can personally sign the attestation that says we need this money because of the downturn in order to um, in order to maintain jobs and to, uh, to continue to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard because the lawyer was like, well, like, I'm not going to tell you, you can't do it. I, I think you could because, you know, here's all the reasons. Um, but, uh, but at the end, everybody, including the attorney was, uh, was comfortable saying, no, we're going to save this for somebody else. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing about PPP. It's a fixed budget. So if you take that money, somebody else doesn't. But it wasn't necessarily that super clear in the very beginning that if you take this money or that it was a race, like I had friends who weren't getting it, whose banks were delinquent and getting them any information and they were panicking and it's complex, but it became complex day by day. And so the fact that you had the foresight and the um, just the ethics and just the overall kind of um, global view of the whole thing, I thought was really impressive. I mean, and who knows, six months from now, a year from now, I could be the idiot who bankrupted the company. (laughs) Well, I don't think so. Are you talking to other uh, tech leaders right now and kind of comparing notes? Because I've got a huge um, slew of entrepreneurs I speak with and obviously tech leaders, but um, you know, I don't have VC backing, which I've heard a lot of mixed things of like, hey, you've got all this funding. How do you also take PPP money that that sounds like a complicated conversation, but I'm like, well, it's, it's not just one size fits all here. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think those dollars are there to save jobs. And yeah. so if you're using those dollars to go pad your bank account, then you're not doing it right. And if not taking those dollars means you're going to fire people, then you're doing it right. And that yeah. was where it came down to. We realized we could save those jobs even if we didn't take those dollars. So we didn't feel like we had a right to them. Yeah. And how much transparency do you give on these types of decisions? I'm switching gears a little bit um, to your kids. Like as you're raising them. I thought and, you were going to say to the team. Well, to the uh, team. I'm actually switching <laughs> gears because I'm thinking kids because yeah. I was kind of talking through a lot of this with my kids. And you know, the 10-year-old's like, what? 15-year-old's interested and leaning in and, and the 13-year-old. Your kids are a little bit younger, but... Um, yeah, the twins are 11. I have a boy and a girl. Yeah. I'll answer both. So for the company, I've always said, hey, once a month, I'm going to update everyone on everything. And you're going to get basically the same information I present to our board of directors. So you get Startup 101 as a piece of learning, uh, as a piece of working at Globeforge, and you get to build the confidence of knowing you know, how the business is going to work. So we share everything, our income statement, EBITDA, sales numbers, the whole nine yards. Um, we bump that up to weekly. So while we still have a deep overview every month, now every week we go through latest updates, changes, et cetera, talk people through and explain people uh, the the PPP developing an outcome and all that. For the kids, I don't think I talked to them about PPP, um, but I have absolutely talked to them about the business and about the ups and downs and about what we can do to help and about some of the ways that we communicate um, uh, they, they have different different excitement and interest in different pieces of the business. And so I'll talk to them about the part that's most interesting to them. Uh, but, you know, one of my favorite things, and, when, and one of their favorite things, they ask me all the time, they're like, what are your CEO problems? 
And so I will just explain in sort of anonymous, simple terms, whatever is the biggest thing on my mind, and they'll propose suggestions. And I love that. Yeah, and sometimes they're terrible. Well, I know you and I spoke about how <laughs> much how much you talk really how much you talk to the kids, and that's why I was asking them about the P you about the PPP because I was like, I wonder if he's like actually like fully engaging them as his like mini board of directors, yeah. you know, on and just also helping them understand the the, the perspective on the magnitude of all of this. It's also been a really powerful way to talk about inequality and talk about um, the uneven and unfair distribution of resources. Talking about how. Um, people from uh, underrepresented groups and underprivileged minorities will, are disproportionately not getting access to the dollars. Um, the you know dynamic where big banks were prioritizing big uh, uh, applicants because that would ma maximize their fees. So there are lots of dollars going to big companies. So we talked through that a lot um, in in sort of a, a context of broader uh, equality and using that as a way to introduce that topic. I think that's really, really smart. I'm trying to have those conversations. I think it's important to engage the kids on these conversations, especially because school, how are your kids dealing with online school and how are you helping them? You know, my wife, Leslie, has been unbelievable. We found out, we had, you know, 24 hours notice that we were going to be homeschooling our kids like yeah. so many other folks. And so um, put the kids to bed early, went down to the basement, spent four hours figuring out how we we're going to do it. And we put together Shapiro School um, with, uh, we put together some family members who didn't want to be on YouTube, but we're still happy to teach them. So my mom's teaching botany, my dad's teaching um, uh, pre-calculus, uh, which is not what they're scheduled to learn right now, but, uh, but some, he's, he's a math professor uh, emeritus. So he was excited about that. Um, and, uh, and various other folks we put together. OutSchool is a great startup that's creating paid classes. And so those are kind of some neat treats because they're really high quality. Um, that there was a class that purported to teach something while playing Dungeons and Dragons. And the kids I'm writing this one down. Didn't teach we anything, need but they love the Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah, <laughs> so we something. need to supplement, right? We, I yeah. mean, at least, yeah. Um, so OutSchool, okay. OutSchool's been great. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they've spent a lot of time Skyping with friends. Um, mm -hmm. we, we never really had them have phones or any sort of, you know, email or whatever, but now we're giving them access to be able to Skype with friends and email with friends. Um, and that's been a powerful way for them to keep connected. Um, yeah. My wife runs a uh, weekly Dungeons and Dragons game for them and their friends, which switched from uh, in person to virtual. And so that's still going on. And that's been a really powerful sort of social connector because I think the social part is just the social hard. part's huge. And then you think about like, okay, the risk of them getting sick versus the risk of like depression and anxiety and all these other things um, that are on the back end of this, if they just kind of go inward and don't see other human beings and other peers and learn those emotional intelligence things of how to kind of navigate the world through people. Yeah. Um, that's a and whole thing. But it's funny because I've had, um, I've gone on a couple of socially distanced walks with girlfriends. And now the new conversation is like, who's sucking and who's doing well at like quarantine life? Like, you know, there's all this pressure that us type A kind of highly driven people put on ourselves. And I, as I'm hearing this, I'm sitting here shaming myself. Like I'm not doing enough as a mom. Leslie sounds incredible. <laughs> but what are you doing to just like chill and decompress completely? Oh, and don't well, say you're like doing Ironman triathlons. Or something. No, oh, no, no. But we did have a big quarantine splurge. Um, what is that? What'd you buy? Quarantine splurge. We got a um, uh, trampoline. This was just too good to be true. I'm like, surely I can, this cannot be as good as it looks. I spent $150 on an inflatable raft on Amazon. Where does it, had, where does it go? Are you on the water? 
And so we, I'm like, you can't get a boat for $150. That just doesn't okay. make any sense. So we wound up like getting a, a little electric motor for it and everything else and going and putting it in and uh, in the lake. And it's amazing. We've been what? out every sunny day this week. You need it's to send fantastic. me pictures. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Wait, it's the, what? Yeah, it's the Intex Excursion 5. And you like, we bring it in the minivan, blow it up and then put it in the water. And it holds and all of fantastic. you? Yeah, it's huge. It's 12 feet. You guys are lighter than your family. Twelve feet long. <laughs> we might sink in that thing. Uh, and so, yeah, that's been our 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 boat, and that's been so lovely. Just a chance to get out, and the kids take. Oh yeah, when it's nice and, out, they need something, and that, that feeling yeah. of freedom too that that being on the water provides. Yeah. So, so that's, that's your Corin splurge. And how about your Corin uh, creative outlet? Are you playing any musical instruments, or cooking, or gardening? Lots or... of cooking. Okay. Um, my, my, another splurge has been spent. We've been buying really expensive beans. Uh, mm -hmm. Rancho Gordo makes heritage beans that are like seven dollars a pound. Okay. Which is really expensive for beans, but not expensive for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids have been like been making chilies and soups and all sorts of stuff. So that's been fun. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so a lot of cooking, um, all the yeah. usual plus some new dishes. Um, that's uh, fun. What, oh, uh, we play Dungeons and Dragons as a family together, and that's still something we've yeah. been doing that's been a lot of fun. No puzzles? Uh, my wife really enjoys puzzles, but yeah. usually it's her doing them. Uh, yeah. Usually she likes it as a solo activity. My husband does them, and he'll come over and be like, you should try to just put in one. And I just, I don't know if it's what's the ADD or what's happening, but I am so the anti-puzzle. I'm like, I cannot concentrate. I, this doesn't do it for me. We've been playing a lot of backgammon. Mm, um tons of backgammon and then yeah, I'm we've trying, been doing board games i'm trying to learn how to play mahjong online oh, with some yeah. high school friends like the old lady the old lady game um which i'm excited about but uh, we, um we've yeah. had a new game that we've been playing um with friends via zoom oh. which is uh frequency okay uh, no sorry I'm wavelength down. it's not frequency it's called wavelength um and uh, uh and it's really clever and it's very simple uh let me be sure i have the right one I'm writing it down. Wavelength. I'm putting notes all over the place in like a scribbly type of way. And I don't, I'm going to look at it and go wavelength. Yes, like if I don't right. write down like Dan Shapiro game, I'm going to be like wavelength. What was that about? Uh, okay. It is, um, it is, uh, the idea is that you get a range from like, like the range. I, um, one of the, one of the clues was uh, from Star Wars to Star Trek mm. and you give one clue. Okay. And they have to guess where it is on a scale from Star Wars to Star Trek. Oh, and so like, it, I think the, the clue was something like um, aliens who are really just people wearing latex masks. <laughs> and the answer is that's like 80% Star Trek yeah. and 20% Star Wars. Uh, or <laughs> you would be... know that. I would not know that. But yes. So uh, that was like one of the geeky questions. There was also like, you know, um, a good recipe, bad recipe or oh, things like that. Oh, I like, like that. That, that, that so I might be able to play with. It's really fun. And yeah. Uh, and a, and a great one to, to mess around with. Also, um, the Magic Puzzle Company has a Kickstarter going right now that I am excited about since you mentioned puzzles. Okay, Magic Puzzle Company. They're beautiful puzzles. Oh, I think I saw cool this. I think I saw this. Are those the ones that are um, like rainbow cool? Or, I don't know, I'm getting targeted. No, these are like a, a whole story told oh. in a giant piece of art where every piece of the puzzle is a little piece of the story. Oh, okay. This is, I'm going to just, maybe this is my Father's Day gift. Oh yeah. They'd be perfect. I hopefully he won't listen to this podcast between now and then. <laughs> I'll block him. I won't tell. Don't tell him. Okay. Awesome. I'm so glad to see you. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we 
uh, piece out on this Monday. You know, I just got to say, it is such a crazy time. Like, I'm constantly looking at my own self, and some days I'm just miserable, and and I feel guilty for being miserable because things are so great, and the world around us is is burning, and I'm like, and here I am. And other days I feel great, and I feel guilty for feeling great when the world around us is miserable. It's all so complex. It's a really hard time, and figuring out how as as uh, members of the community, as humans, as uh, as people who are trying to do our jobs, how we connect and engage with other people who are all experiencing that same range, and it is a tough time. And it I'm, is a tough I'm, time. I'm grateful we've had the opportunity to talk about it. I'm super grateful. I think that um, what you're may, maybe unaware of, because you're inside your own body, having your own thoughts, is that you are having such an impact. The business that you're running, the leader that you're being, um, and I think that, you know, in those down moments, you just recognize that you're human. Give yourself a little hug. I'm trying to just focus on my heart and less on my head because my head is like, you know, it's just crazy right now, um, hour by hour, how you're feeling. And the guilt is real. And, and so I think as long as we are um, being generous with our heart and with our spirit and which you clearly are, you're literally changing the world right now. And so you're doing something and I find very inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. And good to see you. And likewise. So Thanks good so to much, see you. Shana. Air hugs. I'll see you soon. Air hugs. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.